I welcome into the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter, at Bernier underscore Matt. This is episode 44 of the program for Monday, December the 7th, 2020. However you listen to this thing, thank you for doing so. A number of ways to find the podcast, whether you are on Apple Podcasts, you're on Spotify, you're on SoundCloud, inthemoneypodcast.com, any number of spaces, please rate, review, subscribe, the whole nine. You know the drill by now. Uh, if you are so inclined, you can head on over to YouTube and watch the show. All you need to do, search bar, Matt Burney, your show, you'll get this episode along with the 43 prior. And if you are over on YouTube, please subscribe. Make sure the bell icon is lit up. That way you get notified anytime new content is uploaded to the In The Money page. Round of applause and thank you to everyone. We are now up over 1,000 subscribers. It's a nice milestone for us within The Money. So uh, looking forward to continuing on with great content into 2021. Uh, if you are interested in getting involved in the Friday feature, a number of comments last week in the section beneath the video player on YouTube. Unfortunately, there weren't a ton of entries and we didn't have a winner. No one correctly identified silenced to wire that field down at Gulfstream last week. So I'm flying solo this week. The Friday feature is going to be race number seven at Gulfstream Park. The weather looks beautiful down there for the most part, for the better part of this week anyway. Race number seven, it's a non-winners of two lifetime event, $35,000 claimers going a mile and a 16th on the turf. That will be the Friday feature. I will go over that race, but I'm also going to go over the late pick five at Gulfstream on Friday. It's a little bit of a lighter week. We've got nice graded stakes racing coming up this weekend. Um, For what it's worth, if you're interested, I'm going to be doing another live blog for racingpicks.com on Saturday. All Gulfstream, the entirety of the card, a number of graded stakes races. The Harlan's Holiday, I believe, is on uh, Saturday afternoon. There are a couple other ones as well. Uh, So if you are interested, please head on over to racingpicks.com for that. And throughout the week, free content. What else could you possibly want? You don't have to pay a dime for any of this stuff. It's all free. You can find it over on racingpicks.com. But for this show today, we're going to go over the Friday feature, Race 7 at Gulfstream. But we're also going to go over the entirety of the late pick five. And just in general, I remember back uh, with the other folks that I've done work with in the past, you got to put tickets out, whether it was with the racing form, TVG, anybody else. I don't like to put out giant tickets because I have no idea what certain people's budgets are and aren't. So if I'm going to put a ticket out, I want it to be rather tight, recognizing that I'm probably leaving off a number of logical contenders, recognizing that a caveman ticket is far from the most efficient way of betting things. I can't hold your hand the whole way, though. All I do with this sort of thing is put out a bit of a template, recognizing that it may be way over your budget, but I try to keep it pretty tight. And for many of you, it'll be way under your budget, and you'll want to add three, four, five different horses in different races and and put the tickets together in a little bit more of an efficient structure. That's fine. I just think this will be a fun sequence to go over because I think there are I think there's quality in the sequence, but I also think there are a couple of just complete wildcard races that you could really get creative with. So starting with race six on Friday, we'll go over the late pick five on this program along with the Friday feature. Uh, And the Friday feature will actually probably just be parceled in, pieced in with the entirety of that sequence. So uh, we'll kick it off with race six in a little bit. Just a quick sort of look back on what we saw at Aqueduct this past weekend. Um, the big performance from True Timber, a fun story. You know, Kendra Carmouche, it's been well documented. That was his first grade one victory in the cigar. Um, 
an underrated rider has been for a long time, especially in New York, especially on turf, and especially on the front end. He's one of the riders that is not afraid to go, make sure that they get the front end and go on with it. So good for him. Uh, you know, the performer situation, uh, he did not perform. He was away a little bit slowly. I just thought he was flat and dull. Uh, disappointing effort there. Perhaps he's just not as good as I thought and maybe some other people thought. Um, the horse that I liked in there, Mr. Buff, he, he is making it. If, if it wasn't abundantly clear to me before, it is abundantly clear now that he is just not capable of handling open graded stakes company. He belongs to the New York Breds. He can make hay, make a lot of money, and have some fun down there still. But as far as the open graded stakes types, just just not in the cards for him. Uh, with the two other graded stakes that I at least was most interested in, the two-year-old races, Mala thought the way that she won that race, well, let's and we can talk about both of them the Demoiselle and the Remsen. And I'm not going to go too deep into this, but a dramatic time difference between the two. I think it was nearly 10 lengths. Don't quote me on that. You can find it in the chart somewhere. Um, I saw Craig Milkowski tweeting with, I don't know if it was Chris Larmy or someone, um, about how it was a pretty straightforward day. Didn't feel like the track changed a massive amount one way or the other. And I haven't seen the figures that the horses have earned from Cigar Mile Saturday at Aqueduct. But... It, it was one of those things where Malatha and the Demoiselle, she did not look good at any point in the race. Down the backside, you know, she's being asked, she's, she's being given the stick a little bit, and she's just kind of sluggish and moving along. It looked for a moment as if Milfoy is going to blow the doors off this field, and then Malatha tips out into the clear, and she's just, she's got that big stride, and she was able to gobble, uh, gobble up ground late. It, it was, I was going to tweet it, and then I pulled back. It, to me, it was either a matter of that race being filled with really subpar horses, Milfoy included, or it was actually a very promising performance from Malathot and the fact that, to me, and I know, I, I believe I saw Todd Pletcher was quoted saying that maybe she showed a little bit more as far as seasoning was concerned, I or sort of, you know, being a, I don't want to say a wily veteran, because uh, she's only run three times now. I, I interpreted it the other way, that she may not have appreciated the racetrack and that she was still on the green side. And for her to be able to overcome that is a feather in her cap. And I, I lean more toward that direction, despite the fact that the time is really hard to argue that it was slow. Um, and, and it's going to be one of those instances where we need to see more racing from those horses to really get a good gauge. Because going into it, I thought Milfoy was a good horse. I thought Malathot was a talented runner. Um, you know, I, I I didn't think it was a bad group of two-year-old fillies. Maybe we'll find out, you know, in hindsight that it was kind of a subpar group. But if I thought going into it that they were pretty good, and the top two who I thought were the top two put a distance between themselves and the rest of the field, maybe it was just a good race and a horse like Malathot is an incomplete project. But that, to me, at this point signifies that there may be bigger and better to come. So that's an intriguing piece. But if we're strictly talking, comparing those two races on the clock, there is no two ways around it that Brooklyn Strong put in a massive performance in the Remsen. And and again, I, I apologize. I don't know the speed figures. I haven't seen them. But I, I thought it was, a, and not just because I liked the horse, I thought it was a really impressive performance to go and run down a horse like 10 for 10, who was effectively loose on the front end. And I didn't love 10 for 10 going into it because I didn't love his run prior, despite the fact that it seemed like he was going to have a favorable setup. 
but those two were a, a mile clear of anybody else. So I think that was a good race. And despite the fact the clock looked really bad for the Demoiselle, I kind of want to believe that it was a good race and that those two top fillies might actually still end up being something. Um, but if you are strictly a, a time player and a clock player and a fig player, it, it probably, it, my guess is that it probably wasn't all that that appealing. So a couple interesting things there. The Cigar Mile as a whole, I don't really have much else to say other than the fact that it was a poor performance from Performer and congrats to True Timber for completing the trifecta in the past three years in the cigar. So uh, those are my thoughts. Let me know what you think on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt or beneath the video player on YouTube. Again, no winner of the Friday feature from last week. Need all the interaction and all the entrance that we can get. Leave your selection for the Friday feature beneath the video player on YouTube. You only get one and against race number seven from Gulfstream on Friday afternoon this week. Before we get to that, though, we're going to go right in chronological order. I'm going to throw up some PPs and we'll talk about some horses and the way that I've gone about approaching anyway. This late pick five sequence. I think it's a really intriguing one at Gulfstream Park on Friday afternoon. Let's dive into some PPs. Again, we're going to be talking about the late pick five at Gulfstream on Friday afternoon, races six through 10. I think it's a, an interesting sort of sequence, and I'm not going to go through horse for horse, but I do think it's one of those, I think it's a good exercise to at least go through and explore different possibilities and maybe some horses that some folks would just immediately overlook. Or conversely, look, I'm guilty of it, and you're going to see it in this kickoff leg. It's a maiden 12-5 claimer going five and a half on the main track. Some of these horses, maybe I'm too quick to say they can't do it, or I don't like them, or I don't want them. In reality, this is a leg of the sequence that if you can spread deep, I would strongly encourage you to do so. You know, weight your opinion accordingly. If there's certain horses you like more than others, press them up a bit, but... I just think this is a race where I wouldn't be surprised if bordering on anything happened, to be quite honest. Having said that, I have narrowed it down to the four horses that I'm most interested in. One of them, certainly interested in betting, uh, may even make his way into the racing picks column on Friday. We'll find out. But let's start off with some of the more logical horses that I'm not going to use. Uh, you're all right, and you'll note these giant, <laughs> these giant numbers that I've stamped in. This is pre-morning line. This is pre-post-position, uh, not post-positions, but, but program numbers. I don't believe any of these horses are coupled entries. Um, if something changes, uh, you know, you're going to have to just adjust on the fly. So these big stamps, these are actually the numbers that I assume that these horses are going to be. The two, you're all right, is a horse who showed speed in that last one. That was a sloppy sealed track, faded at the end, blinkers come off. Um, the Trainer, not particularly strong with this move. Past five years, first time blinkers off. One for 35. 12 in the money, though. 60 cent ROI. So the 12 times hitting the board from the 35 starts. Perhaps the one for 35 is just purely unlucky. Um, but I, I'm not going to use this horse. Um, this Antonio Sano runner, uh, Conpormiso, again, 0 for 8. Horse has a little bit of speed, which I think is very, very important in these type of races. But at the same time, I'm just... If, if he wins, so be it. I'll tip my cap and go on. And again, I can't overstress the fact that if you have the ability or you're interested in playing for bigger amounts or a larger ticket, by all means, add to this. Chop it up. Cut out horses that you think are terrible, that, that I like, whatever it may be. This is just supposed to be an exercise to get some ideas out there. And I need to hear from all of you because in all likelihood, I'm going to be playing. So 
leave comments on these races beneath the video player on YouTube. Uh, Master Q, another horse, has a little bit of early foot. That most recent run, you know, you see these two horses that have come back and they've earned what are seemingly poor speed figures, but they actually stack up pretty well against this group here on Friday. So the runner-up coming back and earning that 44 buyer over the weekend and the winner of the 25, sure, they don't look sexy on paper, but they're actually not terrible, all things considered. Uh, the five, Royal Biz, can obviously be a player in here. I just don't really love anything I've seen here. I think Paco being aboard is certainly a red flag in that I think these lower-level races, I don't. I would never encourage people to just strictly play jockeys i think that's that that's a, a fast way to to make silly silly decisions however in these low level claiming events i think it would behoove the player to at least recognize who is riding what animal and for what barn if they don't typically ride together if they have great success if it's a low percentage barn whatever the case may be so paco for the low profile outfit perhaps that is something worthwhile again they're trying to get the horse on the turf. All three starts, they've all come off. Just not my cup of tea. Uncaptured Soldier is one that I will be using, though. Took some money in the career debut for Jorge Delgado. You see when Tyler Gaffaleone has the mount, uh, they t tend to pair up in a successful manner, over 30% over the past year with a positive ROI. Um, didn't show a ton of early foot, but did take that money, and now blinkers go on for the second lifetime start. This is one of the horses that I'm interested in. If I wanted to go deeper, I would include Uncaptured Pulse, first-time starter for Juan Avila. Avila's barn, not typically ready to roll first out of the box, but but far from far from incapable. You see just about 9%. The, the big piece for me was this work right here back on November 21st out of the gate. That at least shows there's some zip there. Now, I don't know if the horse was all out, under the whip, whatever the case may be, but at least it indicates to me the horse can run reasonably fast, and reasonably fast at this level might be good enough to win. So do with that what you will. Uncaptured with his two-year-old first-time starters strikes at about 9%. I'm going to use Super Triple, the number eight horse. Lee, his two-year-old first-time starters, not great, 4%. Uh, but the dam was very, very productive. She's been productive anyway as a broodmare. I don't like the big gap that we have from November 21st to the time this race will be run, I believe on the 10th of December. Um, but I, again, going back to the idea of the jockeys for connections that they don't typically ride for, Luis Saez, who is probably the best rider in, in South Florida. As I'm, and when I say that, I mean specifically at Gulfstream Park. Year in and year out, Luis Saez wins races at Gulfstream as well, if not better, or at a higher rate than anyone, including the Ortiz boys, you know, in, including anybody. So for Saez to take the mount for Amador Sanchez... The two don't typically pair up. And Sanchez's barn with first-time starters, as you can see just by the raw numbers, debuting and maiden claiming races or just firsters in general, they're not very good. So I take note of this. When somebody like Saez, who in theory, if he wanted to ride in this race, could have had basically anyone, for him to, to, to take this mount, I think is interesting and noteworthy. This is a horse that I will use. Uh, Dreaming Thousand could obviously win first-time uh, first off the layoff, first time as a gilding for Jose D'Angelo's barn. I won't be using this one. The horse I'm most interested in is this one right here, the number 10, Try Me, for Oscar Gonzalez. You have Torres aboard. This horse showed big early speed after breaking slow, needed to rush up between horses. I'm not going to show you this replay. Maybe there'll be some replays for the next four legs. But all in all, that's not a recipe for success. But the fact that the horse showed the ability to get up there and be close to a fast pace in the career debut... I think that's noteworthy. 
You then couple it with the horses who have run in that race. Again, we're not talking about superstars, but buyers of 69 and 55 and 39 all coming out of that race. I mean, those figures would bury this field. And then you take a trainer like Oscar Gonzalez and you throw in a little statistic like the one I have listed at the bottom of the page. Past three years, sprinters, second-time starters, maiden claiming events, four for 19, nine in the money with a $9 ROI. This is a horse, if you're just playing the race from a, uh, an exacta tri-super kind of standpoint, throw this horse in here. Maybe it'll be another speed and fade instance, but I, I could see this one getting very brave. I have no idea what the price is going to be, uh, but I have a funny feeling. You're, I don't want to say funny. You're going to get at least double digits. I, I can't imagine the horse taking more money than that. But this is the kind of horse that I'm looking for in a race like this littered with unknowns. This is another horse I'm going to use, Fratelli AA. Goes out for Antonio Sano's barn. Sano's barn is off to a good start down at the Gulfstream Championship meet. Edgar Zayas rode this horse in the career debut. He has moved to the other Sano horse, who I don't love. It doesn't really bother me that Montalvo is the horse, the uh, rider that is listed here. The big piece for me, this horse took money in the career debut. Bet down to 7-2, to two, almost 4-1. to one. Gets out of the gate in a sluggish manner for a trainer who is 5% with his first-time starters. So for the horse to get bet the way that he did, for a trainer who does not typically have them cranked up and ready to go, that to me is a positive sign. You also now take a look and see over the past five months with Dirt Sprinters in their second lifetime start at the maiden claiming level, three for 15, eight in the money with a 354 ROI. I think Fratelli AA is that kind of horse who could offer double digit odds perhaps or somewhere in the high single range. And maybe that's enough to sort of slip through the cracks. People are looking at some of the other things, and this horse ends up getting through. Uh, and you obviously, on the outside, you've got the other Sanchez horse. I can't overstate it enough. If you want to go deep in this race, or I shouldn't say that. If you're interested in playing a large ticket, or even if you are going to weight things, and you're going to use more than the four horses that I've suggested, or that I will be using, um, I, I would strongly encourage that. you got to narrow it down somewhere, at least in my opinion you do. I'm going 6, 8, 10, 11. In the opening leg of the pick five on Friday afternoon. Let's move on to race number seven. It's the second leg of the late pick five. It's also the Friday feature. Let's get to the Friday feature. Again, this is the second leg of the late pick five. Race number seven at Gulfstream. $35,000 claimers. Non-winners of two lifetime. Going eight and a half furlongs on the grass. If you want to be on the show next Monday, you need to leave your selection for this race beneath the video player on YouTube. I won't take it on Twitter. I won't take it uh, in an email. It's got to be beneath the video player on YouTube. You get one pick. If you identify the winner, I will contact you and we will make something happen next Monday on this show. Now, I think this is a pretty decent race. Um, you can go a few different ways because I don't think there are any superstars in here. There are no world beaters. So you need to make a call on how deep you want to go and with which horses. I kind of narrowed it down to four horses that I liked, and you can see at the top of the page here, I only have two listed, and it's just the decision that I'm going to make, win, lose, or draw. I'm only going to use two horses of the four that I actually like. Kitten's Finest is a horse for Jeremiah O'Dwyer, stretching back out in distance, getting back to the turf, one for 16 lifetime, a couple of runner-up finishes. Not coming in in the best form, but to be fair, in many of the more recent turf runs, has been taking on allowance company. So maybe this is what this horse needs. You're probably going to get a good number. I haven't seen any real progression throughout this one's career. You see a number of high 60 sort of buyer speed figures. 
that might be good enough to get it done. I'm just, I'm a little bit dubious. This is a horse that I'm going to fade. Move on to the number two. This is Jimmy's Smoked Carrot for Jose D'Angelo. Now, we haven't seen this horse since the middle of February earlier this year. Went out for Chad Brown in the career debut, bet down to odds of 9 to 10. I thought went off and won rather impressively, all things considered. Uh, didn't beat a great field, needs to be acknowledged. But you see Luis is aboard for D'Angelo. They team up and they usually do quite well. Uh, you also factor in that D'Angelo with this little stat here, past year, first after the trainer switch, 5 for 9 with a 346 ROI. I think this horse makes a lot of sense. As you can see, based on my value line, I assigned 3 to 1 odds on Jimmy Smoke Carrot. I would consider a win wager on this horse at 3 to 1 or better. This is one of the two that I will use on my pick 5 ticket. Wouldn't be surprised at all if this one comes back ready to go. It must be said, though, from a number standpoint, the horse is not fast enough to run with some of these other horses. I'm more interested in the potential for upside here with this horse as opposed to some of the other runners where I kind of know what they are at this stage in their career. Uh, but it is something you need to factor in that you could, in theory, be betting on a horse that is not nearly fast enough to win in a spot like this. Hasn't proven that yet anyway. It's also worth noting you've got a number of stops, starts and stops as far as the workout tab is concerned. This is the big one for me. You take a look at this stop between October 18th and November 24th. That's a that is a lengthy gap. So he's coming in. She's coming into this race with one work under her belt. I'm still going to put my faith in uh, the Saez D'Angelo combo. Jimmy smoked carrot, the number two. Uh, the number three, uh, Depura Sangre. I don't know if that's pronounced correctly, but this is a horse who, despite the issues getting onto the turf, I mean, this is a horse who is supposed to have started four consecutive times on the grass and has only successfully gotten out there once. The turf tries, I haven't been overwhelmed by. You did break the maiden back in, in March here, going five furlongs. I don't know that the added ground's necessarily going to be to this one's benefit. I don't want this horse. Uh, the number four, Wicked Mercury, is a tepid use for me. For Jane Sabelli and Paco Lopez, uh, the Sabelli Barn's off to a little bit of a slow start down in South Florida, which is a bit uncharacteristic. I'm sure things will come around. Um, the field that this one defeated in the most recent start, I think, was weak let's say subpar at best, weak at worst. It is something, though, to keep in the back of your mind that the speed figures are plenty fast enough to win in this field. This is a horse who has hinted at ability throughout her career. And while this doesn't necessarily apply to this race on Friday, this is one of my favorite moves right here. You see that the Philly broke her maiden in the maiden special weight ranks. This coming after a maiden claiming race. And you see the odds difference. Horse was even money in a, in a 40 maiden claimer. Went up to a maiden special weight. Won the race at almost 17 to 1. You have to, you have to factor in. When you see that sort of move, A, the connections know that they, or they like what they've got. Put it that way. Or, and or, B, they see an opportunity where the horse fits against special weight company you're going to get a much, much better price. And I don't know these people. I've never met any of them. But I'm going to guess they made a nice little score at 16-1 to 1 that day at Monmouth Park. So, again, you always need to think like the connections. Why is this horse here? And for that most recent start, moving up to the maiden special weight, they had to think that they had a chance. Otherwise, why would you step up in class? And I don't believe that there wasn't a, another maiden claimer available for the horse. And this was on the heels of a solid second place finish in that maiden claimer two starts back. Anyway, 
back to this race here. Uh, another one with starts and stops on the workout tab. Don't love to see that, but that's what you're going to get at this N2L condition. This one fits in here very well. It's just a matter of what are we going to get off this layoff for a barn that, again, out of the gates is a little bit on the sluggish side for what they're accustomed to doing. Uh, Sunset Promise was a tough call for me. This is, I guess, if you wanted to go based on the odds that I've assigned my third pick in here. Um Goes out for Makers Barn, second off the bench, coming out of a Keeneland effort where the horse just ran evenly throughout. Third place finisher came back with a 76 buyer. You know, I wouldn't be stunned at all if this horse took a step forward getting into condition claiming company for the first time. But in all likelihood, I think the horse gets over bet, and that was enough to turn me off, and I don't see a ton of progression here thus far for this filly. Doesn't mean she can't win, but I think she probably goes off at a depressed price, a price that doesn't really do anything for me. Therefore, I'm going to f play against her in the pick, knowing that, again, I'm playing a tight little ticket. I'm not going too crazy with it. And from a win standpoint, I made her 9-2, to two, and I don't think she goes off at that price. So for me, she would in all likelihood be a pass. Uh, we move on. The number six horse, Trish the Dish. The other horse that I made uh, a contender at 6-1 to one on the line goes out for Brian Lynch. My big concern you know, the class relief should go a long way. This horse has speed figures fast enough to win, can rally from off the pace. We've seen there are plenty of positives. My concern is, I could be wrong, but I think this horse really appreciates added ground. And I'm going to be curious about the mile and the 16th distance. You know, she's done some of her better work out at a mile and an eighth, a mile and a quarter, um, or excuse me, a mile and three eighths in that most recent run. I, I just, I'm not totally convinced that the shorter distance is going to be to her advantage, whereas with some of the other girls in here, that's really going to be what makes or breaks them. So Trish the Dish could win. I'm not going to use in my pick five, um, but wouldn't be a stunner at all on the class drop if she got the job done. We move on down if my computer would keep up the pace. See, we're getting a little bit boggy. Uh, Gypsy Wife, number seven horse in here. Uh, you know, an interesting enough horse. Given the connection change, we're moving over to uh, Louis Carvajal Jr.'s barn. First time on the grass, looking at Lucky as a sire, about 13% with his turf routers. Uh, the dam was very successful on grass in 28 lifetime starts, seven times a winner, four times second or third. But boy, the Carvajal barn doesn't excel with this move past five years, dirt to turf and route races, one for 36, only three in the money with a 52 cent ROI. That was enough to turn me off. But if you don't like anything else that you have seen, as far as, I don't want to say proven, but exposed on the grass, this is probably your cup of tea because she's completely unexposed and we have no idea. Maybe she's going to love it. But just based on that raw number, I don't particularly love that. And the last horse in the field is Mercy Mercy for Bob Hess Jr. Uh, 0 for 8 lifetime on grass, four times settling for a minor award. Uh, the recent form coming into this is, A, kind of few and far between. I mean, we have four races in the past year and a half, effectively. Uh, we've going to be making the second start off of a lengthy layoff i the only victory came at a mile and a quarter in a race that was washed off the turf at belmont park i just i'm not convinced that this horse is good enough to win at this level on turf anyway but you should get a decent number if you do like this runner that's the field for the friday feature race number seven at Gulfstream. this is a non-winners of two lifetime i'm using the two and the four when it comes to the pick five if you want to be involved in the Friday feature and you want to be on next Monday talking about next week's race, you need to leave your selection beneath the video player on YouTube. If you've never done it before, but you've thought about it, I highly encourage you to try it out. Come aboard. Have some fun. We'll chop it up. Just shoot the breeze for a bit. 
Don't worry about being right or wrong, but offer your opinion and we'll just kind of, you know, riff a little bit. I think it's it's a nice, fun exercise. I look forward to it every week, uh, but we need that interaction and we need people entering. So make your selection for race number seven at Gulfstream beneath the video player on YouTube. If you are correct, I will contact you and we will arrange something for next week. That is this week's Friday feature, the second leg of the pick five. Let's move on to the third leg. Three of the late pick five. Um, I'm going to keep this one short and sweet. This is bottom level, non-winners of two life. $6,250 is the claiming tag. Six furlongs, main track. There are two connections in here, two sets of connections, who have, I'm going to call them absurdly high strike rates with certain things. Absurdly high. And that's that. And they're the only two horses I'm going to use in here. Right, wrong, indifferent. It is what it is. Going down to the inside with Starship Blanca for uh, an outfit who strikes at 45%. Um, the jockey-trainer combo, 88% with a 9-plus ROI. Um, wins at almost 40% on dirt. The horse in the most recent start, I understand it was a sloppy sealed track, but the runner-up, Legata Negra, she came back and won next out with a 54 buyer. So the form is holding up. Uh, that's all I have to say about Starship Blanca. The other horse that I will use is the outside runner. If the, again, computer will cooperate with me. A horse who, from a speed figure standpoint, really not all that fast compared to the other horses in here. But again, we're dealing with a an outfit that wins at a, a high percentage. Maybe not as high as some other times in the past, but there is a stat that I will show you that would lead one to believe this horse is going to run. Uh, broke the maiden most recently for the Barbosa Barn. Uh, the sixth and seventh place finishers were next out winners with buyers of 48 and 59. The third place finisher came back and earned a 49. So if anything, that fig has been flattered and, and sort of at least justified. So I would expect somewhere in the high 40, low 50 range from a buyer speed figure standpoint. And speaking of the large gaudy statistics, uh, past two years, dirt maiden winner last out the this barn. 7 for 12 with a 309 ROI over the past year with the same sort of criteria. 4 for 5 with a 452 ROI. I, you know what? I, it is what it is. I mean, you just look at some of these races, and the only other horses that I could see perhaps being interesting are the horses that you think could potentially clear to the front. Maybe Gravel Gertie, the 7. To be honest, I don't know that she's defeated horses that are good enough. I initially wanted to look at a horse like Surprise Arrival, but the the field that this filly defeated three starts back has just been dreadful in their subsequent starts. And in the grand scheme, you know, I looked at Beautiful Rosie as well. The same can be said about her career debut, washed off the turf. The field she defeated has been terrible. And that's about it. I mean, they're, they're, it's hard for me to really make a, a significant case for anyone else. The two has a little bit of early foot. And maybe the two, again, if you're trying to beat one of the uh, the high percentage outfits, my little Rose is going to show some speed, but now turning back in distance, going back to the main track from the grass, how much of the early foot was sapped, who knows? I just don't have much interest in trying to beat those two. So only one in eight for me in this leg. If you defeat both of them, you're probably setting yourself up for a nice little payday. I just didn't have much interest in trying to beat them. On to the race that I am most excited about in this sequence. And maybe not because it'll be the most lucrative race, 
but I think there are two horses who could potentially be graded stakes level caliber turf runners as three-year-olds. These are two-year-olds going a mile on grass, not winners of one other than. All in all, it's a pretty good group assembled. You have horses coming out of maiden special weight races who have proven themselves going two turns. You have horses stretching out to two turns for the first time. Uh, you have a number of, of different scenarios playing out in this race. But there are two horses specifically that I think are very, very interesting, not just for this race, but going forward. The two and the three. I'm going to start with the number two, Sir Roberto. And of the two, he is the one that I am... I mean, I guess I'll say I'm, I'm, I'm very bullish on this horse, as bullish as one can be with only having seen a horse run one time. Uh, he has a little bit of pedigree. He should go a little bit longer. I, I don't know that he's a you know a mile and a half type, but at the same time, I see no reason why he can't stretch out to a mile successfully. The way that he won his career debut at Kentucky Downs was very visually appealing, very eye-catching to me. Broke very, very awkwardly sort of zigged and zagged out of the gate. For a moment, it looked like Gabe Saez didn't know what to do with him. Finally got him to settle down a little bit at the back of the pack. Moved out to the clear and just rolled. Just galloped past the the remainder of the field for the most part. When many of these riders are, are sort of just, you know, nudging along aboard their mount, this horse just cruised. And he got into a little bit of a tussle at the top of the lane, uh, with the runner-up, Tis Splendid News. They came together. They bounced around. Tis Splendid News actually put about a neck in front in deep stretch. And so Roberto still came back and got him. Now, you take a look and see some of the speed figures. If you just look at it at face value and you say, well, the 64 buyer and the 82 raw time form US rating, they're not fast enough to win. If, if we're just going as simple as that, um, you're correct. He needs to improve. But what I saw coupled with the form of that race tis splendid news came back broke his maiden his next start on dirt 69 buyer the sixth and ninth place finishers have come back to earn buyers of 63 and 70 so when you compare that think about that sixth and ninth who are well behind sir roberto have come back to almost equal and eclipse the speed figure sir roberto earned i have to believe that this horse is going to take a step forward here on friday afternoon if he does and he gets up into the mid-70 range, he is a primetime player. And that's assuming that's all he does is get into the mid-70 range. If he replicates the 64, he's not going to win. But I, I just was really taken by the tape on this horse. If you can find it, if you use a streaming service, go pull up that race from Kentucky Downs on September 16th. I was really, really impressed with the effort from Sir Roberto. He would be my pick in here. But I also would use the number three risk manager from Mike Maker and Tyler Gaffleone. This was another visually very appealing performance from a first-time starter down at Keeneland on October 16th. Horse, granted, kind of tripped out. He had a couple horses out in front of him that were more or less throwing it down. This horse was saving every inch of ground throughout. Eventually, when Tyler told him to go, it takes him a moment. He takes over the lead. And not only does he take over the lead, but he finishes as strong as he did when he was finding his stride. So... He's the kind of horse that I look at and say it feels like he'll run all day. Got a little bit of a gap there in the workout tab, but I don't want to be too I don't want to be too strict on that sort of thing. Shipping from Churchill down to Gulfstream, probably got to get acclimated and things like that. That field hasn't come back quite as interesting to me as the one from Kentucky Downs. 
with Sir Roberto. The runner-up came back and earned a 50 on synth in his next start. Fourth and seventh place finishers came back to earn buyers of 62 and 64. Risk Manager had a really, really nice trip, but I think he ran. And and he is sort of, if I'm going to call Sir Roberto the A, well, that's not, I don't want people to misinterpret that. Sir Roberto is my number one. Uh, risk Manager is my number two. Then you can start making cases for some of these other runners. Uh, what makes a Sammy run? What makes Sammy run for George Weaver? Fine horse. Inoffensive in some of these other runs. Has taken money. Really exploded in that run at Belmont two starts back when he broke the maiden. There was a wicked pace signed on that day. Now we got to stretch out to two turns. I think with the connections, the horse gets over bet. Um, just I'm, I'm going to side against. Tarantino coming in from the West Coast. I guess it's kind of a positive that this horse ran as well as he did for Baffert because Baffert, for all intents and purposes, this isn't meant to be rude, he's not a he's not a good turf trainer. So for the horse to run as well as he did on grass in Baffert's barn, that's saying something. Uh, now gets to Rudolph Brisset's barn. We'll find out what we get here. I, I, I don't love the, the two-year-olds in Southern California on turf right now, but that doesn't mean that they can't turn into something. And this horse now coming into South Florida, maybe he takes a step forward. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the inside runner, who was a million to one in his career debut, uh, Major Frontier. Now you get Paco aboard. Had a big pace to run at. There's no two ways around it. A little bit green with the lead change, but finished really well. Going to get a fraction of the 73 to one. You know, I just like the other two horses drawn to his outside better than he. Doesn't mean that he can't run very well and perform well. Uh, The six was the one that I had a really difficult time making a case for. Halcyon Digest. I get it. One for one on grass. Went right to the front. There's going to be more speed that you're going to have to deal with early on here. And then not only does he need to deal with the speed, he's got to hold off the closers. Just not for me in a spot like this. And then Mr. Leonardo is another horse too. Very similar to the inside runner. Got to the turf and and really woke up in a big way in that most recent start. Granted against open $25,000 maiden, uh, excuse me, uh, not maiden claimers, open claimers. The finish was tremendous. The race was running a downpour. It's not noted in the PPs, clearly, but it was it was a significant rainstorm that they ran the race in. But all things considered, it was a really nice effort. The problem is he's going to need to now do that against much better, much more promising company, I believe. Doesn't mean that he can't do it, but just make sure if you like him, you're going to get paid. And if you use him and he hits in this race for the pick five, uh, you could be looking at a nice little pretty penny here. I'm only going too deep in here, the two and the three. I, I like Sir Roberto a lot. I don't know what kind of price he's going to be. He might be vying for favoritism, uh, but I'm quite bullish on this horse. The two and the three for me, Sir Roberto and risk management in race nine at Gulfstream on Friday. Hopefully we're alive. We can get to the payoff leg. Payoff leg of everything. It's the nightcap on Friday. Non-winners of one other than optional $25,000 claimers going five-eighths on the turf. You need to make a decision because there there is one elephant in the room in this race. And it's the number five, pay any price. If pay any price comes back and runs as well as he has throughout his career, uh, simply put, I, d- I don't know anybody can beat him. But fact of the matter is he's 10 years old and we haven't seen him since July 5th. And how is he going to come back off of uh, a rather lengthy layoff at this point in his career? The field he defeated was very solid. The runner-up came back and earned a 95 buyer. Uh, the third-place finisher came back and won next out with a 94 on dirt. The fifth-place finisher, an 89. This horse is the class of the race. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's in for the 25 tag. I'm sure some people will look at that and go, oh, that's weird. Not really. I mean, he's 10. 
Uh, he, he doesn't owe the connections anything at this point. And realistically, you got to make a call at some point and say, you know, if, if he gets through and nobody takes him, I'm sure they move on to some sort of a turf stake somewhere. And if he gets taken, he gets taken. And you, you wish him the best of luck with his new connections. He's rock solid. His speed is exceptional, but that's his game, his speed. And if somebody really wants to go with him early, they could compromise their own chances, but that could be the scenario where off the layoff, the old boy starts to feel it a little bit, and maybe it leaves the door open for someone else. I had a difficult time. I guess you could look to the inside with the number one horse. Uh, is, it, is it quirky or quirky? Again, the computer is just, just lollygagging on a Monday. Quirky. Maybe this horse who could sit a little bit off and commence a bid. But, I mean, when you really go through and look at the PPs, this is a horse who wants to be prominent part of the pace and is going to be taking on tougher. I just I couldn't really see the case for Quirky. You do get size aboard, though. Uh, cryogenic here. Consistent horse. The N1X level has been difficult for this one. One at the N1X level against Florida Breds. The open N1X, a different ball game. It's amazing what that move from state bred to open can do. Saw it last weekend with Mr. Buff. We've seen it a million times with Mr. Buff, as a matter of fact. And I fell for it still. Neither here nor there. Uh, Kobe 52, you know, has run some decent turf sprints. Not nearly fast enough, at least right now, to be able to keep up with the pay any price or any of these other top turf runners. Um, seven gems. Simply put, not not convinced this one is fast enough or classy enough. Has a couple of figs on the page that run on January 4th of, of 2020. Is, is reasonably close to fast enough. And from a running style standpoint, could sit off of a potential duel. But I don't know that I need to find out. You know, I, I guess price is your guide. But in a multi-race sequence, there's not enough there to entice me to take a shot and add the horse as a deep backup. Last opportunity for Pletcher. Maybe, but, but to date, there aren't figs that are fast enough to win. That would be just, at that point, I would just be hoping that second time going out for Todd's Barn would be enough to get it done. I'm not convinced it is. Mr. Tip, maybe is a first time gelding, but the turf sprints so far. This is a horse who's going to be rallying from off of it. We'll get the pace that he needs, I'm sure, but I, I just, I'm not convinced he's good enough right now. There is one other horse, though, that I'm mildly intrigued with. Now, you've got an import coming here from Chile in Storm Border. The distance, I think, is the only reason this horse is here. Because I don't see anything... While the horse ran well in the only turf start to date, I mean, this horse was predominantly a dirt runner. So maybe this is just one trip, shake the rust off, get him back to the main track. We don't really run five furlong dirt races too, too often. Maybe he doesn't run if it doesn't get washed off, that sort of thing. Um, he's not for me, but again, a wild card if you're just looking for, for a total unknown, total stranger. Coffee Bean, for the De La Cerda Barn, he, he really ran quite well in that, that Florida bred N1X back at the end of April. But that was in a deluge. And on grass, I don't know that he's capable of reproducing that and at this five for a long distance. The horse who I'm going to also use would pay any price. On the off chance that he is something on the grass, and by his pedigree, he's got a big chance, and by his connections, he's got a big chance. Is Cash now the 10? Haramio takes the mount here. This is a horse who right now 
make it abundantly clear. He's not fast enough, but he's never tried the grass before. They tried to get him on the turf in the second lifetime start. He went out there, put the boots to a uh, maiden $32,000 claiming field at Indiana Grand over the summer. You look at the pedigree, hard spun, 14% with his turf sprinters. The dam is a significant turf influence. There are multiple turf stakes winners on the dam side, uh, multiple turf sprint winners on the dam side. You add that to the Brad Cox barn, past four years, dirt to turf, winner last out in sprint races, four for 11, seven in the money with the 267 ROI. I don't know if this horse is going to be stunned when he sees the speed of a horse like pay any price or not, but he's the only one that I was mildly intrigued with taking a shot against the big fella with. You got a couple horses to the outside. Vinny Van Gogh, I don't think is fast enough. I know he's only tried turf one time. He's another, I guess, an X factor, but he just didn't do it for me. Um, shared legacy, I suppose you can make a case for. Draw a line through the run of Keeneland. It was supposed to be on the turf. He has figs that are solid in his recent past performances, but the company that he took on to earn those figs is a far cry from the likes of pay any price. I just, I'm not convinced he's good enough to get the job done, but perhaps he works out a trip here um, from the outside. So I'm only using two. I'm using cash now, the 10, and I'm using the old man. I'm using the 10-year-old, pay any price. Um, I just, you know, the layoff, I guess it could be a little bit of a, an unknown, but I think he just might be better than these horses at this point in his career. Uh, 5-10 for me in the payoff leg on Friday at Gulfstream Park, the payoff leg for everything pick six the pick five the pick four the pick three if you enjoyed this and you have other opinions you think i totally glossed over a horse in this sequence you think i'm i'm using too many there's a horse in here that i've used that i should be pressing harder let me know beneath the video player on youtube or on twitter at bernie or underscore matt if you want to be involved in the friday feature again race number seven that non-2l going a mile and a 16th on the turf. Leave your selection beneath the video player on YouTube. I'll contact you if you're right. We'll set something up for next Monday's show. Um, Housekeeping-wise, next Monday's show will look pretty normal. Uh, Then the following Monday, and perhaps then the following Monday, uh, things could get a little bit bit weird. Um, There may or may not be video. Uh, There will be audio. I have no idea how long the pods will be. Uh, because I will be in the midst of a move. So we'll get to that more, and and eventually when the video comes back, it will look a little bit different than what you're accustomed to seeing here. Um, So anyway, that's just to get that on your radar. Uh, All of these pods, all the the in-the-money media, please rate, review, and subscribe. If you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, inthemoneypodcast.com, SoundCloud, however you listen. If you're over on YouTube and you watch this show or any of the other shows that are loaded to the In The Money channel. Please subscribe. Make sure the bell icon is lit up. Give us a thumbs up, a thumbs down, whatever it may be, and leave a comment, even if it's just saying hello beneath the video player on YouTube. It's greatly appreciated. And please follow me over on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Thank you to producer Craig Gorbanoff. Wanted to change it up a little bit. I didn't I didn't love the way the audio was starting to sound. Uh, so he's allowing me to get a little bit, uh, a little bit more creative and try to try to splice some things together to make the audio sound a little bit better. And again, once the once the new setup is set up, things will be a little bit different as well. But hats off to producer Craig continuing to do the good work. Uh, I will be back next Monday. Good luck this week and this weekend. 
And don't forget, racingpicks.com on Saturday. I'll be blogging live all day. The Gulfstream Park card. Plenty of graded stakes action. Until then, best of luck however you play, whatever you play, wherever you play. This has been episode 44 of the Matt Bernier Show.